0: Welcome to the Wealth and Law podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And from time to time, you may have uh, felt or known somebody who has felt that uh, success in life is maybe not exactly as they had thought they had defined it. And in those instances, it's useful to chat with somebody who knows how to properly uh, put those things in their place and guide people so that they can live more meaningful lives. And for that sort of conversation, you need somebody like Bessie Graham, who is joining me today. Bessie, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. For the few people who don't know who you are, uh, at least give us an overview of who you are.
1: Sure. So, I mean, if you wanted a neat box, you'd probably say I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've uh, built multiple businesses and I'm someone who really loves and sees that business can be a powerful agent. A change in the world, and that it's about more than simply profit maximisation. Well, that's one part of it. I think we've kind of lost sight in many ways of the roots of business and the centrality of how human it is to trade and you know how important commerce and all of those things have always been to us as humans. And so I'm someone who is passionate about business and and has always been involved in that space. But tapping into some of the aspects that you just spoke about in terms of meaning and purpose and and what does what is this all about? Really, for me, the theme between all of the different businesses I've built has been this idea of how do we do good and make money in the same business? because when we can have a richer sense of, that uh, there is a purpose behind what we're doing and that we're using all of our time, talent and treasure towards something we actually care about. My sense and my experience with hundreds of entrepreneurs I've worked with is that we actually then end up building a more profitable, sustainable business. And so I think it's this shift. and, And so my passion is to help people bring those two things back together and not be apologetic about wanting to have a successful, profitable business, but seeing what they are building as far more than simply that. And so that sort of is a um, a quick version of, of uh, the work that I've been doing for over 20 years now.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's excellent. And it, it sets up the conversation here very well. Well, I mean, do you think that that idea of, say, having a profitable business and doing doing good, generally speaking, of course, in in generalities, are two concepts that people tend to view as at cross purposes with one another?
1: Yeah, I, I certainly think that if you look at the messages that we have taken on board consciously or unconsciously from the world around us, it is that you need to choose. So even down to something as simple, if you've gone into a certain career, or you've studied something at university, the assumption is, depending what you pick, you're sending a signal out to the world of, I have picked the making money path, or I have picked the doing good path. If, if you've gone into the work of charity or nonprofits, then you've sent that signal out to the world. And if you've gone in, you've become uh, an entrepreneur or a business person, you're sending a signal that that choice has been made. And the, as I said, my sense is, that we are missing out on so much of being able to sustain and feel fulfilled and free in our own existence because each of us are unique individuals. So we are not one-dimensional and when we make those kinds of decisions and then feel like we have to fall into line with what that path now means or what the decisions are um, that follow from that initial decision, we end up feeling trapped in that, which is just not a great way to live.
0: Uh, No, certainly not. And probably gets tiresome very quickly. Um, Certainly, if if you're pursuing something that you feel like doesn't really match up with your own personal values, it seems even if you at least seems to me and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I very well could be wrong. But it seems to me that even if you really distill down, if you're trying to break it into its its component parts, say the pursuit of profit. I mean, that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is not a very exciting thing. There's something layered on top of it that drives somebody to pursue topic. It's not the money itself. There's something in addition to that that is the thing that drives people, even if you could could sort of silo things in these, these separate silos.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's that old idea of, you know, ask why seven times or ask the question to what end. So you might say, I want to make as much money as possible. Okay, but why do you want to make as much money as possible? Mm-hmm. To what end? What would be different in your life if you were making all of that money? What would you do? And and so I think this is the exercise where if we fall into these um these kind of black and white worlds of saying it's a zero sum game, we end up not asking the questions, not reflecting on the very things that could actually help us achieve the real goals that are behind things. And I'm not sure whether this will resonate with uh, with your listeners, but probably amongst us, there's a higher proportion than the general population of achievers and people who are goal-oriented and striving for things. And so sometimes we are the exact people who can get tricked for longer in thinking that the things we're chasing and the achievements we're making are satisfying in and of themselves because our energy is to be towards action, jumping in. Okay, set me a challenge. I'll prove you wrong. Tell me I can't do it. Yes, I can. Like I'll set that goal and I'll break the record even further than I was kind of aiming for. So we can, for probably a longer period than most, run really hard and look very successful to the outside world and maybe even convince ourselves that we're satisfied with these achievements. And yet the thing that at some point will happen is that aspect of a crossroads or a, a, you know, maybe it's a big birthday, you turn 40, you turn 50 or something happens. And and you stop and go oh like is this all there is like i have ticked the boxes i have achieved my goals but this does not actually feel fulfilling this is not really satisfying and so that's the piece where this can creep up on some of us in different ways where we then have to start to ask those questions and reflect on as you said okay maybe there's more to this and maybe success is more personal than I had led myself to believe.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's I mean, there's a lot to unpack in there, but one of the um one of the interesting conversations I have with my clients from time to time. So I'm a lawyer, so um is and my my clients are basically just very wealthy families is sometimes uh they'll say something along the lines of well you know i i just i want to do good and and i have a hard time with the wealth that is here you know they sort of maybe have an element of guilt about Mm -hmm. the wealth that they've been they've been lucked into which you know, lucky for them, they have it. And sometimes I have to remind them that I was like, you know, all every organization that you can list off to me now that you think is an organization that does extreme good in the world operates on money. So if you view it from that perspective, the money itself is not the detriment that you're describing to me. In fact, it's the tool to do the thing that you really want to do, which is to you know support these causes. And and it's like a light bulb goes off. And, they, and I don't know if it's a light bulb of where now they're disenfranchised with the world or or, or or something happy, but the, you know, a light bulb tends to go off where they sort of see like, okay, it doesn't have to be all. It doesn't have to be like this is wealth and it's in my hands and therefore I'm greedy and I'm a I'm a terrible scourge on society. It can be something positive in their mind.
1: Yeah, and and it's at least starting from a place of saying the money itself or wealth is neutral. The decisions we then make, the intention we put on that, and how we choose to put that to work in the world, is where it starts to come into play of, is this positive or negative? Am I actually contributing in ways that I'm proud of and in ways that do sit and are in alignment with what I care about? So that piece, I think the starting point that takes away all of those aspects of greed or good and bad and says, okay, it's neutral. As you said, it's a tool. It can be used in many different ways how do I want to put it to work in the world, is the place that I would start. And then I think also another bit that can be quite helpful, even for people that are in a situation of really considerable wealth, is to look at what they have at their disposal as being broader. So I always talk about there's this interesting lens you can take, bit of an old school idea of time, talent and treasure, right? So if you instead of simply saying, I have money, if you started to look at your own life and say, how do I put to work in the world towards things I care about, my time, my talent and my treasure? And that is important because even if you're just looking in the treasure category, so money, there is money that we can give away, but there's also money that we can invest and how we're investing our money, what that's doing in the world is having a positive or negative impact. So we have far more levers to pull than people often give themselves credit for. And instead of that being disempowering, I think that's actually really exciting, especially if a lot of your time, talent and treasure is being poured into a business. Because so often, if we just externalise all of the good that could happen, and we say, when we make a certain amount of profit, or if we sell the business, then we will give a donation or give to causes we care about. That sort of puts it off. It's down the track. It's external. It's someone else that will be doing the good with your money. Whereas your business in its core business, not simply in the donation of profit, is actually having an impact on the world, either positive or negative. You just may not be conscious of it. So starting to bring those things back in-house and say, how am I making my decisions? Where is my money at work in the world? Where do we spend the most money in this business? those decisions are actually part of how you can do good and make money at the same time and they're not external and they don't come down the track when you retire you can do them now
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting so so it seems like if you can if you can do that if you can sort of recenter a bit in that way, then it probably means you're building more meaningful teams in your business because that is the closest sort of, circ- outside of your own family, that's the closest circle of people that you're having an impact on in the world through your business. And then sort of, you know, branching out from there to customers, clients, et cetera. If you can really refocus, you probably are building better teams and providing better service for the people that you're actually impacting if you're focused on them and not just yourself.
1: Exactly. And one of the, you know, I often say there's three of the most common ways that you can do good inside the business. If you do that kind of reflection of where do we do good, one of them is the piece you just picked up on, which is around team. So if you think about how would this idea of doing good and making money play out for you, if where you spend the most money and are um, uh, having all of those decisions playing out is on your team, which for many businesses, that is the most expensive part of the mix, then as you said, what will happen is by having clarity around a strategy that's aligned at a sense of what you're trying to do in the world as an organisation, by focusing in on that aspect of the team, by making sure that there's a great culture, that there is that clarity, that people are paid well, that they have the um, the components that create well-being for them as well and that that health of the organisation is present, it ends up in the back end of your business in terms of cost structures. It has massive effects around reducing turnover, training costs, all of those aspects of people not really being engaged and you're paying them a wage but they're not incredibly productive on the front end of your business in terms of revenue generation and the delivery to customers or clients, you have a team who are now passionate and engaged and are going to give a much better service to those customers that you have that will drive revenue in terms of recurring revenue, people wanting to stay working with you, people referring others to you. So it's this aspect of, again, taking a mindset um, my podcast is called Both And with Bessie Graham. So instead of either or, it's this piece of in any of this work, don't just stop at, oh, we want to have more meaning in this business. So we would like to start as an organisation having shared projects or think about it related to how is this integrated, how is it connected to what we do as a business, and be unapologetic about it having a positive impact on whoever you're focused on. So that might be team morale and well-being. But it also needs to stack up financially. So we need to draw the connections between this actually helping make the business itself more sustainable.
0: Yeah, it's not just it's not just theory. (laughs) And when it's a business, it's, you know, it's it's not just feel good. There is literal money involved and, you know, you can't do something that you can't afford to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: There's a yeah, there's a really interesting Um, thing that you mentioned as well, because you were talking about sort of the mentality of like, well, when X, you know, when X event happens, then I will do Y thing that I perceive to be good. And then that will be when I do the good thing. And, And I which I totally empathize with. And I hear that I just am always curious That perhaps that um, suggests a lack of creativity about the many ways to do good in the world, to think that that is the only way that you can do the thing, you know, have a big cash out event and then write a check that that's the way that you have a meaningful impact in the world. And it sounds like what you're suggesting is that no, 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 you can view what you're already doing day to day has the meaningful impact and then tool it so that it matches up with your values.
1: Exactly. And also start to realize, so in some ways, so yes, you said, you know, it could be a lack of creativity, but it's also just that we're reflecting back what we've been taught or what we see in society of like, at this point, you are wealthy and you be generous. And this is what you do. Like there's kind of these known paths. And what I'm saying is that if you start to think about it and instead say, however I behave now, who I am, how I'm showing up, if I get to a point and I move from being a high net worth to an ultra high net worth, well, that is just going to be amplifying what's already present. If I'm already generous, I'll be more generous. If I'm currently not generous, chances are I'm not going to be generous at that point. So it's starting to just do the thinking now and making those actions line up with what it is we actually care about—that—that—that's not simply an academic exercise in our minds, but it's playing out in our behavior and decision making.
0: Yeah, absolutely, very interesting, and and it seems like uh, a fair amount of reevaluation too, periodically. yeah, you, yeah. You, and you I, mentioned- I think that it's well sorry sir, I was just I was just I didn't mean to, uh, to cut across you there but I, I I was just gonna say you know you you mentioned like the net worth number uh, which I think is a fascinating one the sort of human psychology around it but I- I- anytime somebody throws out or is thinking about say a net worth or even even a value of a business if they perceive it as good it's like well you that's fine and it may be quote unquote good but you're perceiving that value as good or sufficient or insufficient solely based on its relative position today to other things that exist today but last time I checked time doesn't cease today and it's going to continue on likely for a a very long time for most of us especially if you're wealthy your life expectancy is very long and so kind of having a little bit broader perspective I think can be you know instead of getting so focused on those numbers you can kind of step back and say like all right the numbers are, are a nice guidepost but the number itself is not the thing because the time horizon is so long. And yeah, I do fi- exactly. I do kind of find some of my clients will sort of fit into that trap and I have to try to shake them out of it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's just human nature. But as you yeah, said, if it totally. comes back to the piece of reflection and self-awareness, any of these tools or ideas we're talking about, it's not that you then uh, set up some kind of vision in your mind or this is what I'm trying to contribute to in the world and it's now laminated on the wall and will never be revisited. It's that piece of what we're admitting is that as humans and particularly those of us who are entrepreneurial, who are running businesses, who are, you know, setting goals, chasing them down, part of what we need and that motivation and the piece that keeps us going is, yes, we have to be grounded in something. And for me, I do a lot of that work around values and people getting really clear on what is it that is important to them. How do they make decisions? How do they behave? You need to be grounded in something. But... As humans, we want to be moving towards something. There's that sense of growth and progress and where am I going? And so I think it is admitting to ourselves that this will shift and change over time, but part of what we're doing is making sure we're not just busy for the sake of busyness. I often say to people, don't mistake movement for progress. Like just because you're doing lots of things, Doesn't actually mean you're moving closer to the life you want or the goals that you would actually find fulfilling. So we need to be clear on what is it we're moving towards, admitting that that may change over time, but then tracking the aspect of are we trending in the direction of that? So how do I gauge? How would I start to think about the milestones, if you like, or the the gates where I'd say, if I see these things happening, I can probably be confident I'm moving in the right direction. And so that piece is just an ongoing exercise to to be working through these things and, as you said, not just go – Okay, I've set this goal. it now sets in in concrete, and this value equals I will live this life at a certain point.
0: yeah, well, and that's I think you I think you said that well because y- you set that up as establishing values and then trying to sort out am I actually progressing on these values? I'm guessing, although again, I could be wrong that but- some of these values are a bit subjective in nature. So how do you take something that it could be a bit subjective and then find objective measures to give you some idea of whether you're actually making progress that you thought you were going to be making? I guess that's a question more than a, a comment.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for me, in terms of the being able to map, am I trending in the direction of what I'm wanting to trend in the direction of is that vision or the goals of like, where am I wanting to, to go the values help be that guide or touchstone of like, is this in line with who I actually am and how I want to show up in the world? Is this how I make decisions? So it it's helpful in that way. But I think that um, the, the aspects around it being subjective or personal, the fact is that's okay and that's really what we want. So this work is to actually uncover what it is that is important to you and how you would track whether you're moving in that direction. And it's actually okay if that to someone else doesn't make sense, or if that's not their goal. If we come back to the idea that freedom and fulfillment is going to look different for each of us, and part of what we're doing, if someone is actually asking these questions, they have stopped just believing without question what the world says success is or what their goals should be. So now we've all been in those circles where you go, okay, I've built the seven figure business. Now I need to build an eight-figure business. Now like there's just this never ending growth equals bigger. Now that's not necessarily the case. For some people, they might get to a multi seven figure business and just say, I love this team, I like the vibe, I don't want a team bigger than 15 people. This is my sweet spot. This equals success. Like, so that's okay. So I think the The aspects of describing what it might look like or what those goals would be can be subjective and they should be uh, unique and meaningful to you, not necessarily other people. So when I do values work, I often uh, talk about Patrick Lencioni. I'm not sure if you've read any of his books, but he's got some great books. And one of the ways that he talks about something like core values, for example, is he says, Rather than doing what most people do and you sort of say, oh, my core values are integrity, honesty, you know, all these big generic words, uh, it's going into and asking those questions. Can you give me an example really quickly off the top of your head of where you have a tendency to take that too far? Because if something's actually a core value and it's just deeply in you, it's effortless and you will often be a bit obsessive with that or you'll go too far with that. So tell me how your truth telling is so much different and differentiates you from every other person or other organization. Most people can't give you that. So you're like, okay, let's dig a little deeper. And one of the examples that he used of some beautiful wording that as a core value meant something for a business internally, but may not resonate with others was an organization he worked with where the idea was that one of their core values was pick up the broom and so it was that regardless of your position you would get in and help if there if something had happened and you needed to sweep the floors you were willing to do it so rather than say something like humility it was a descriptive piece that meant something to them and i think your whether it's your values or in identifying those uh, kind of indicators or pieces that will help you track if you're moving towards your vision, they should be meaningful and and have a personal aspect to them. They they don't have to be something that looks good on your website.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully they aren't something that just looks good on your website. Otherwise, I I would suggest that's probably not personal them, yeah. enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you I'm glad you went that way. I was sort of expecting that. Um. That answer, but right, it's like because every, you know, this this sort of goal setting, this sort of value finding and then measuring and tracking, it doesn't have to be the same for everybody. I think that's kind of part of the point of how this conversation began, that you can have yeah. these these, you know, pursuit of having mm-hmm. a successful career/slash business, you know, whatever, with doing good. Well, how somebody defines what that is is going to be as individual as there are humans on the planet. So you have to accept the fact that when you set your goals. Somebody else could set something, some other goals that are completely different. And it's totally fine. You don't have to feel like you're chasing their goals.
1: Yeah, it's actually good. It's a Mm. good thing because I'm using the word good a lot here. But if we go to that aspect of doing good and making money, that is a broad concept, right? There are a lot of social, environmental, different problems in the world. We don't actually want a situation where every business is focused on plastics in the ocean, because then we'll have all of these other problems not being addressed. Don't try true. to preach for everybody to care about what you care about. You use your passion and drive to address those things you're committed to and let someone else be committed to what they're committed to. It's not a competition. There isn't one thing that's better than the other. What we're trying to do, particularly as business owners, is have some integrity across our strategy so we can actually see that common thread of it makes sense that as an organisation, when we are making donations, they are related to education because that is a common theme of our focus area rather than being we give to an animal shelter that has nothing to do, like no customer could see a connection there. So have the common thread, make your strategy make sense across all of the work you're doing and let other people care about what they care about.
0: Yeah. I think that's wise. And and I I actually think if you if you have that mindset, then it also means that you can be happy for other people, even if they're competitors, you know, because they're pursuing if they're pursuing something that's different from you and you can see that they're having success, you can be happy for them because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It has no impact on what you're pursuing because what you're doing is your own.
1: Yeah. And different people will be drawn to you. So you'll draw customers to you who are passionate about similar things and actually, By you identifying yourself in that way, they'll go, actually, I could have chosen all of these other lawyers, but I've chosen you because we care about similar things. And now there's Mm -hmm. stickiness to that relationship. So it's Mm -hmm. layered in the benefit that comes from it.
0: Right. Yeah, I kind of chuckle when I hear people say, well, people choose us because we do things differently. And I think, why wouldn't you? I mean, isn't that, shouldn't that go without saying that you do things differently? You are different, right? If you weren't different, you would just work for the other company.
1: Yeah, yeah. But so often people aren't doing the work to figure out and articulate what that is and then own it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. Well, Bessie, I could chat with you about this um, all day, but I know you're a very busy person, so I I can't monopolize all of your time, um, but I thank you so much for spending time with me. If if people are inclined to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to find you?
1: So they can check out the podcast, which is both and with Bessie Graham, so we can share a link, or go to my website, BessieGraham.com and just send me a message there.
0: Perfect, yeah, nice and easy. So shouldn't be difficult for somebody to find you. Also, Google knows that you exist. So anybody who just like types in Bessie Graham
1: You'll find me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, in a huge, in a huge shock to everybody I know, it'll it'll pop up on your search feed. So, uh, Bessie, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me today. I appreciate it so much.
1: My pleasure.
0: Hey listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.